from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Laban was the first person they met uh, also, but this time Laban actually had a rifle in his hand. Let's face it, you're there in part because you want to save their soul. Sure, yeah. Is it hard yeah. to hold yourself back? I'm Sarah Fenske. Last month, something new for St. Louis opened in Dutchtown's historic Melvin Theater. It's called The Rock, but the nonprofit behind it hopes it will become a success center. It serves young adults at risk of becoming homeless or already without housing. And joining us today to tell us more is Timothy Needham. He's the executive director of Restoration House STL. That's the faith-based nonprofit behind The Rock. So, Tim, welcome. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So tell us a bit about The Rock. What are you offering there on site in this old theater? Yeah, it's a um, so The Rock is a spot where uh, youth and young adults who are ages 18 to 25 can come in and get access to all the basic essentials that they need. So that could be uh, food, hygiene, clothes, uh, hot food. We have for, there for them. Um, we have a, a brand new computer lab couches, TVs where they can just come and relax. They can they can come in and take a nap with hot weather like this. You know, they can come in and just take a nap and rest and get cool. Uh, but we also have caseworkers there who can um, meet their basic needs right then and there. And if they desire so, uh, start working on some things that will help them progress to, to where they want to be. So if people just want to <clears throat> get some services and get out, you're fine with that. Totally. But they can also just hang out on the couch. Absolutely. As, yeah. as long as they want? As long as they want. And no questions asked, no judgment. Um, we have various types of like casework that we do, some of which, which you consider like acute casework. So that's going to be like the things like just if they need food, you know, if they're, they haven't eaten, you can come in eat some food and leave. Um, or if you want to go a little bit deeper and work on some stuff that might help progress you to where you want to get to, then we'll work on that too. So these sound like great services and you're targeting a very specific age range here. Yeah. What's the thinking with that? There's a lot of great organizations here in St. Louis that do phenomenal work, um, especially in uh, children uh, children's programs that go up to the age of 21. Um, Phenomenal agencies and organizations that do amazing work, but the challenge can often be that those programs have an age limit. And so as soon as these young people hit the age of 22, uh, reality sinks in for them. And they may not be prepared with all the adequate resources that they need to be successful. So we kind of see ourselves as a, a bridge builder to um, other resources so that when they hit that 22nd birthday, if they haven't figured out everything they need to in order to be successful, we can absorb that blow for them and be a cushion and be an anchor for them so they don't feel like they've just you know fallen off the face of the earth. So, Tim, I understand your interest in this issue goes back to a service project that you did mm -hmm. back in, like, 2008. What were yeah. you doing at that point? I was a youth pastor um, at a church in Fenton, Missouri. Uh, I was looking for ways to get my youth group involved in service projects. And my wife's uncle, <clears throat> Jeff, he, he had started working with the homeless about a year before that. So he encouraged me to come out. And just in all honesty, I had 
zero interest in doing it. In fact, I probably pushed back for four to five months. Wow, you with, were resistant. I, I just, I'd never worked with the homeless before, and so I just had zero interest. But he kept pushing me and kept prodding me, and finally I said, okay, I'll go, I'll go check this out. So first time we go down there, uh, we pull up in our van, and I had a lot of preconceived notions about what it meant to be homeless, a lot of stereotypes, mm-hmm. um, all of which I realize now are wrong. Uh, but I went down there, and I made sure I left my wallet at home, my cell phone, anything that I felt felt was a value I left at home because I, I was just convinced that I was at risk of being mugged or something like that. And uh, so we get there, and the first guy we meet is a, a man uh, named Laban. And Laban was every bit of the stereotype of what you would think of as a dangerous person. So he had a long black trench coat on, uh, long dreads, uh, you know, steel-toed boots. He just and he's a big guy, you know, yeah. a real big guy. And my Jeff, my wife's uncle, walks right up to him, and I'm like, Jeff, what are you doing? Went up to this guy, Laban was the most. He's the biggest teddy bear I've ever met. Uh, he was homeless, um, but oh, the other interesting part about that was when we saw him, uh, he happened to have a machete in his hand. That, uh, that was that's a key detail to leave out. <laughs> I almost there, left Jim. that part out. <laughs> yeah. That was the most intimidating part about him. He had a machete in his hand, and so that's why I was, you know, you know, startled to death. But. Um, he was tur- turns out with a machete. Uh, the reason why he had it was he was along the uh, the riverfront. This is back when they had the homeless camps on the riverfront, and um, he was clearing brush. Oh, okay. Along, along there, <laughs> he had a he good was, reason for his he machete. Was, he was clearing that brush. So I immediately got hooked. I I just fell in love with him and all the people down there. Really, like churned my heart that this that the people down there were the salt of the earth. They were just like me and you. They just had different cha- different circumstances. So I bring my youth group down, and uh, they kind of had that same preconceived notion too. Well, they, Laban was the first person they met uh, also, but this time Laban actually had a rifle in his hand. So my youth group kids <laughs> were looking at me like the same way I was looking at my, my wife's uncle, like, what are we doing? Are we going up to this guy? Yeah. Um, they met him, fell in love with him. Uh, Did he have a good reason for having the rifle? He was shooting squirrels. Okay, for that's, food. A, that's a good reason. Yeah, he had a little twenty-two. He was shooting yeah. squirrels, so he was literally yeah. providing, and not only providing food for himself, but he was providing food for other people in the camps there too. Hmm. So he did all. It, Everything that LeBon did was always thinking about other people. It uh, turns out, like, he was one of the people who uh, kept the camp safe. So he was kind of the security back then. Um, LeBon became such a good friend of mine. We, throughout the years, uh, he lives in New Orleans now, but throughout the years, we would have him over to our house for Thanksgiving, Christmas. He, he became a uh, you developed a, a family member. Lasting relationship yeah, here yeah. out of this project. So at that point, were you hooked? Like, I want to do something to help people without housing. I was, yeah. So I be, I was a youth pastor for a couple more years, and then I transitioned uh, to go work for Epworth Children and Family Services in their street outreach program. And that's where I really began to see the pieces to the puzzle of what I wanted to do with my life, but also some of the gaps in services. Um, and so me and a, a, a co-worker of mine, Lily Blake, who now works with Restoration House, uh, we started putting pen to paper to really see, okay, where are the, the gaps in services that we can fill, you know, 
and and how could we do that? So that's where we came up with the concept of the restoration house. And so this idea of let's almost like a drop-in center. This yeah. is something where you're just going to be open for for certain hours. People can come and and get access to everything they need. Were there other models you drew on as you came up with this idea? So the drop-in center model is not new. It's been around for 30 or 40 years, uh, I think from the late 60s. So the, that, that model is not new. What we are doing is we are creating a model that we want to replicate. Um, with The Rock, where we are in South City right now, we could be there Monday through Friday if we wanted to, but we have much bigger ambitions than hmm. that. So we're picking Tuesdays and Thursdays because – our next objective is in, in springtime of next year, we're actually going to launch a second location in St. Anne and Breckenridge right off of St. Charles Rock Road. So North St. Louis County. Well, we're, it's what we're actually considering the West, West Campus, but that will be open Mondays and Wednesdays. So we will be able to take one team and have them work Tuesdays and Thursdays in South St. Louis and Mondays and Wednesdays in St. Anne and have two areas of the St. Louis area covered. Hmm. And then within one year, we're gonna launch East St. Louis and then North St. Louis. These are some big expansion plans. You sure you don't wanna just, let's get one completely up and running before we start multiplying? Well, the cool thing about it is like, we can keep the operations of this very low because how we're targeting the days. So uh, whereas many other great drop-in centers in the area, they have one location and they do it Monday through Friday. Their whole team has to stay there because they're there Monday through Friday. But we can split this up and do one team in two different locations and continue to have low overhead so that we can guarantee that we're hitting all of St. Louis and the maximum amount of fundraising dollars that we get go to helping the people instead of a massive overhead of operations. Hmm. So this all starts at the Melvin Theater. A lot of people probably know yeah. this building. Some people probably even went to movies there back in the day. Um, people might not think about there being a lot of clients around in that area. Yeah. Is there a, a homeless <clears throat> population that could really use these kind of services? There is. Uh, we actually started looking into this with the Melvin Theater probably three or four years ago. So the guy who owns it, his name is David Godbout. He's the pastor of Novation Church. Um, so he runs a house church model. They, they, they believe in doing church within homes and people's houses. Uh, and they bought this facility knowing that it was going to be a community resource center. So we talked with them a couple of years ago, um, and it wasn't the right time. But as we began to get to understand the unique needs of our city within the homeless population, we realized that South City was absolutely the perfect spot for us to launch our first success center. And what we have been surprised to find is that in that neighborhood, there are many youth who are outright homeless. So there's, you know, there's that category of at-risk youth, but there's also like just outright street homeless. And the bulk of the young people that we're coming across right now are actually street homeless. So they they are sleeping in vacant houses uh, when they're not with us. And so what kind of outreach have you done to be able to connect with them, let them know, hey, here are our days, you know, we'll yeah. always be here? Well, the good thing is that uh, David with Novation has probably the best reputation I've ever seen in a human being. I mean, he's amazing. The people in that community absolutely love him mm-hmm. and the church that uh, that they, they work with. Um, 
So that's been big for us. But we've been very intentional about going out into the communities and getting the word out. One of the things that we do to help with that is transportation is always an issue, right, Mm -hmm. for people who are on the streets. Well, we have uh, been very intentional about saying, hey, anybody comes in right now, anybody who comes in, we're giving two free bus tickets. No questions asked. If you come in this building, you're going to walk out with two free bus tickets. So that's been a, a big thing. It costs it's, – it's a big uh, expense, mm-hmm. but it's gets great for us. It gets people in the doors. It gets people in the doors. And we know we're solving a part of our problem too because mm-hmm. transportation is a big issue with homeless. So this is something they need anyway. And something then they need anyway. once they see, hey, here's what else we could offer if you're interested. Yep. Absolutely. So have you, you you found, I mean, people are coming in, they're getting those bus tickets. Are people taking advantage of other services as well? Of course. So the cool thing that we have, we've ran some initial numbers over the last couple of weeks, and we what we found was we have an 83.4% rate of return for youth that are coming in. So in other words, they come in the first time, 83.4% of them return for a second, third, fourth, or fifth uh, time. Hmm. So that's great. That communicates a lot to us that it's saying that, the services that we're providing, they're finding have great value to them. And so that's a win. That's absolutely a win. I want to talk just a bit about the faith component of yep. this. You were a youth pastor. Yeah. Um, you're also working with a church that, yep. that bought this building. How big a part of that is, how big a part of the services you offer is the whole faith side of things? It's a pretty it's a pretty pivotal part of what we do. So what we found when we, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I was working with Lily Blake years ago, and we were creating this concept of what Restoration House would look like. We came across a couple statistics that were really shocking to us in a good way. Uh, we found that these studies demonstrated that when you get a person who's in poverty, whether they're young or old, just poverty in general, when you get them connected into a local church that's in close proximity to them um, within a couple blocks, they found that two things happened. The rates of recidivism in the criminal justice system plummeted. Hmm. And then the rates of post-secondary education went way up. So we looked at that and we said, bingo. That this is a chance if you can just be there and be an anchor. Right. So what these churches do is they provide to a youth or young adult who does not have a solid family support system, it acts as the anchor to be a support system for them. So um, we built Restoration House on that principle. There are so many churches all around St. Louis who can be a part of this solution to end youth homelessness, and we actually believe that they are the key. So what we'll do is when we're doing casework, to identify what their situations are. Once we can get them stably housed, we're going to try to find a church within that community of wherever they are and get them linked to that church so that they can have a long-term support system. What if they're not a Christian? What if they don't share your faith? Well, so we don't push anything. Um, we, We invite the opportunity if they are interested, but if they are not, then we do not push it. Uh, it's just as important for us to let them know that they're loved unconditionally, whether they believe in, in our faith values or something different. The, the bottom line is we want them to know that for us, Restoration House, no matter what they believe, we are here for them, we love them unconditionally, and that we are going to be a support for them no matter what. They can still have that long-term relationship Absolutely. without the church component. Absolutely. Is that hard? That, <laughs> I mean, there's people that you get to know, and you're there. Let's face it. You're there in part because you want to save their soul. Sure. Yeah. Is it yeah. hard to hold yourself back? 
I think so. Yeah, but but it's it's equally as important for us to just let people know that they're loved. You know, my 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 faith and my values dictate who I am, but my faith and my values dictate that I'm supposed to love people unconditionally no matter what. So you're going to be there for them. Yeah. So we want to mention you are looking for both volunteers yeah. and donations for this. You have an open house coming up. Um, should people come to this open house if, if they don't share your faith? Are you looking for volunteers of all stripes or does it make more sense for somebody who's approaching this as a Christian? Well, I would say like uh, if, if, if you're at all curious, come and check it out and, uh, and see whether it is something that you want to be interested in or get, get involved in. So it doesn't mean you don't have to have the same – faith values I do to put food in somebody's belly, mm-hmm. you know, and keep them from being hungry or um, providing like transportation or anything. So absolutely, I would say come and check it out. Timothy Needham, um, Executive Director of Restoration House STL. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.